0: It's time
1: We are not called to be nice
0: Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here
1: We are often called to be confrontational
2: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios you And you are still like
1: first? me or you, or you don't like me, James?
3: Are you okay? you you
1: alright? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it
3: Uh, Longtime Fox News
4: contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We
1: have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do.
0: It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have.
1: Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something.
5: This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host.
1: Some things are worth fighting for.
5: President Obama was very divisive, but people were more quiet about it. They didn't want to insult him, but he was very divisive. But the Biden administration is far worse. In fact, I noticed the other day where Obama said, uh, "This is very dangerous. All of these, things. you know, what they're doing is too much for him." It may be too much for Bernie Sanders, but I doubt it. Okay, but when they look at his top. Economic people are looking at this inflation and they're seeing these bills that are being passed for trillions and trillions of dollars Where it's like throwing money out the window He sees the cost of energy and they see the cost of it. They see what's happening And they're saying you can't do this. You can't do it. These are obama people telling Biden people you can't do this, but they push forward anyway, uh Let's see what happens. We have a we had an election. I was very helpful. In fact, the new governor of Virginia called up early in the morning after the election to thank me. We were very helpful. Look, the MAGA people and people that support Trump came out in force, far greater than anybody thought possible. You know you're an expert. You see what's going on. Your wife is a brilliant lawyer. She knows what's going on. It's terrible. We have to get back to borders. We have to get back to free enterprise, and we need a press that's fair and equal, and we don't have it. What's happened with big tech is a disgrace. I mean, it's just an absolute disgrace. So we have things to do, but it's going to happen. I believe we have the people on our side. I think we really do. I think we have a large majority. Who wouldn't want voter ID as an example? Who wouldn't want a strong military, a border. Who wants to have millions of people flowing into our country? How many people, I mean, think, if you did a sample of a thousand people, typical good American people that love our country, they are, they are, they can't believe what they're witnessing at the border. And some of the people are really bad. These are stone cold killers that other countries don't want. And they're sending them in from their prisons. Prisons are being emptied out in other countries. This is not a majority. Sanctuary cities, this is not a majority. This stuff is really, really bad. That's the former president
1: of the United States, Donald Trump, in an interview with Mark Levin. Makes me miss him terribly, uh, because things would not be happening the way they are around the world with Russia and Putin, with China on the march uh, with the decay of our culture, it, it, you know, not a perfect moral man by any means. And I think if he were president, there would be a lot of times now that I would cringe because he doesn't have the same convictions on some things. But overall, he has a conviction to save the country and do the right thing. And, um, you know, as a matter of fact, just to remind you, four years ago, almost exactly, the Trump-Pence administration made history by recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. And so, um, you know, that was a, that's just one thing, but it's an important thing. And I just wanted to bring it to your attention. And then, of course, news overnight, in case you've missed this and you might have, because it's early in the morning for many of you, is Devin Nunes, who was the ranking Republican on the House Intelligence Committee. Devin Nunes, who was the one who really broke uh, the Russiagate story, broke in the sense that he started pushback, discovered all of these files. And um, and came out and did a press conference and put himself at great risk and has been on the front lines. It's not just about defending President Trump. It isn't. You cannot limit it to that. He was revealing the corruption of the uh, of the intelligence agencies. I know some of the people that work with Devin Nunes, great men who are uh, understand uh, the deep the depth of the deep state. And so Devin just gave a steady stream. Wrote a book. Uh, was a powerhouse, and of course they came after him. They removed him from his committee, like they're doing to Republican conservatives now, uh, and you know lots of threats. Well, he's announced overnight that after I think ten terms uh, in the House uh, representing California, he's stepping down. But now here's the deal: uh, if you're you know, if you maybe be crestfallen because he is one of our champions, from my perspective, a man who is willing to tell the truth no matter what, he reminds me. Of Ron Johnson in the Senate, Uh, and I could name others, but that's just the name that comes to mind. This is Devin Nunes in the House. And this is what he said. Um, He said, recently, I was presented with an opportunity to fight for the most important issues I believe in. I'm writing to let you know I've decided to pursue this opportunity, and therefore, I will be leaving the House of Representatives at the end of 2021. Rest assured, I have not by any means given up our collective fight. I'll just be pursuing it through other means. And what are those means? He's leaving to head the social media startup, uh, that's going to be run by President Trump, the Trump Media and Technology Group. Remember? President Trump made, uh, you know, made much of the fact that the social media companies and the giants were gaining too much power. They were, uh, they really hurt America in the election campaign by censoring. They claimed, you know, it was it was conservatives who were doing that, but it was Facebook. Zuckerberg spent millions of dollars uh, trying to, um, and he successfully overturned or influenced unfairly elections in several states. But of course, the internet, uh, whether it's uh, uh, Facebook or whether it's Twitter or you know, name that you just name a Google. Uh, President Trump has been on a rampage against them, plus the media, and so they are beginning this Trump Media and Technology Group. Devin Nunes will be the chief executive officer of that group. So all I can say is, uh, look out. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen. They have actually uh, a um, see they have a billion dollar startup from a group of donors and investors. Of course, that's a drop in the bucket compared to what they're going to need. Uh, But uh, somebody uh, tweeted this. the, The dumbest thing the cultural engineers ever did was kick Trump off Twitter and the other big platforms. It's like they never have seen a single Hollywood movie. They're all about comebacks, you drones. You handed over the perfect script. I love that tweet. I thought I would share it with you. So Devin Nunes is leaving the house at the end of this year and is going to go ahead this Trump uh, media empire and that that can't be bad so we'll see what happens with that <clears throat> it's actually good news i don't know uh, you know i think he's a, in a pretty safe district in california i think so you know god willing somebody somebody conservative morally and politically and fiscally and militarily will take that that job or will be able to to hold that seat all right so the other thing that is today is the 80th anniversary of pearl harbor just think about that. That's, um, you know, this is when uh, the, uh, the Japanese bombed the, our big military base in Pearl Harbor. Thousands of Americans killed. They destroyed many of our uh, destroyers. And thus, that's when America joined the war. That was it. That, that's the famous phrase that Roosevelt said, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, this is a day which shall live in infamy. And uh, it certainly was that day. And that's what got us into World War II, which makes me kind of uh, link to this next story. And that is, uh, I've been telling you that in Europe, there are tremendous protests because the crackdown in Europe is amazing. The, uh, in Belgium, that's where the European Union, uh, you know, finds their home in Brussels. And so in the past few days, I'm not sure if this was yesterday, but it's in the past few days, thousands of people gathered on the streets of Belgium. I want you to hear the sounds of it, then I want to explain to you what's happening. This is clip 14. In fact, let it run while I talk a little bit here. Uh, there were firefighters in the crowd. They were in their uniform. They protested rather than going to their work. Uh, there were, this is a translation because most of them spoke in French, but one, one person said, I think every person has the choice to take the vaccine? It's his own choice. That's freedom, in my opinion. And the one of the firefighters says, "This matters beyond my job. I came for freedom as a human being today." Uh, the protest did turn violent. Most of the protesters left, and a hundred people then <clears throat> that were left stormed the police station, and there was uh, dust up over that. But uh, they are very upset in Brussels. And in spite of what the the European Union spokesperson said yesterday, that we played, where it's you know she wants to shut down everything and force vaccinations on everyone. People are fighting back, and it's just it's a worldwide thing. You can see that, and which that takes me to something else, completely different. I, um, someone sent this to me, and I just found it uh, so moving. This is a, a guy named Marian Tursky. He's in his 90s, 98, I think, and he was a survivor at, from Auschwitz, one of the prison camps, speaking of World War II and those particular days and times which are not so far away when many of our fathers, grandfathers fought in that war, mine for sure. And why did they do that? Because the Nazis started it, basically. I mean, I could, that's simplistic. But uh, certainly we know about Hitler and how he took over. Some of you may not know, but it was a slow process. It didn't happen suddenly. He tried through the electoral process. He was defeated several times. and He was sort of like a joke. And then suddenly he built power. He started using violence. And then suddenly he took over. So Marian Tursky was placed in Auschwitz, and he spoke before a group, uh, a Jewish audience, just recently. And this is amazing. Let's listen, clip 11.
4: One day, in those early 1930s, you can read an inscription on the benches. Jews must not sit on these benches. You could say, it's unpleasant, it's not fair, it's not right. But after all, there are so many benches around. You can sit somewhere else. Of course you can. There was a swimming pool and over its door an inscription read, Jews are forbidden to enter. You could say, well, pleasant this is not, but there are so many places in Berlin where you can take a bath or swim, so many lakes, canals, it's nearly like Venice. At the same time. You can read somewhere else, Jews must not belong to German singing associations. So what? All right. They want to sing. They want to make music. Let them just meet somewhere else. They will do their singing. All right. What comes up later is an order, really, more of an order than of an inscription. Non-Aryan children must not play with Aryan children, with the German children. All right. They'll play on their own. And then you read, we only sell bread and food to Jews after 5 p.m., right, less choice. This makes your life harder, but after all, after 5 p.m., you can still do your shopping. And that's how it is done, step by step, slowly, and they become
1: acquainted
4: with that thought familiar with the idea that they are different people that they are alien people that they are the people that carry germs that cause pandemics and this now is a horror what came later was something that developed immediately jews could not get jobs they could not emigrate and then quickly jews would be sent to ghettos to kaunas to riga to my ghetto Auschwitz did not fall suddenly from the skies. It was pittering, pattering, and all those tiny steps. It was approaching until what happened here behind me did happen.
1: Auschwitz did not happen suddenly. It didn't fall from the sky. It happened step by step, slowly, as they acquainted the Jews with uh, being set apart and different and sort of created a mindset in the general population that they were different, lesser people, which led to their murder. Now, listen carefully. This is not a game we're playing when it comes to COVID. Many of us understood that right away. Others just mocked us for saying we're just, we're selfish. We just care about our own personal freedoms. We care about everyone's freedoms. And if you don't believe, you know, what I'm saying, then listen to Joe Biden, because as foolish as this sounds, this is actually good advice. This is clip eight. Let's listen.
6: Silence, as my dad would remind me, silence is complicity. Silence is complicity. That's what Nuremberg said. Your silence is complicity. Thank you, President Biden.
1: That's a good reminder on this day, the 80th anniversary of uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, the bombing of it, and why we fought, why Americans rushed to sign up to help Europe be free from the shackles of uh, this kind of hatred that leads to murder. And that's what we're seeing in this country. There's no doubt in my mind. All right, more when we return. I've got lots of interesting news today, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. I did discuss my options for
5: abortion.
7: After a series of health issues, this mom felt abortion was the only answer.
5: It was still borderline thinking abortion until the little... The heart at the bottom of the ultrasound moving, and we realized there were two, and I knew
7: then. The ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis, offering free ultrasounds and the gospel in action. At just 11 weeks old, these twins cried out for life through ultrasound. Just
5: seeing that, I said, I can't. I can't. The ultrasound will seal the
7: deal. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the USA introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life.
8: Take a moment to think about who God has used in your life while on your faith journey. Perhaps it was a friend, pastor, or family member. Aren't you glad they took the time to invest in you? Through Operation Christmas Child, a simple shoebox gift opens the door for discipleship, connecting a child with believers in a local church. The Greatest Journey, a dynamic 12-lesson discipleship course, teaches these children how to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. Then upon graduation, each child receives a certificate and a New Testament in their own language. Operation Christmas Child is able to train teachers and provide all of the materials for only $6 per child. That means for a monthly recurring gift of $6, you could help disciple 12 precious children each year. Will you join Operation Christmas Child in bringing life-changing discipleship to children around the world?
0: To learn more, go to AFR.net. That's AFR.net. And thank you.
2: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. You need a university you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. This fall, Liberty celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Text EXPLORE to the number 49596. That's EXPLORE to the 49596. Five-year-olds will now have to show a vaccine passport if they want to get a Happy Meal at McDonald's. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced all children must carry vaccine passports. He also announced all private sector employees must be vaccinated. The mayor says it's a preemptive strike against the new Omicron variant. What he did not say is that not a single person has died from the new variant. The symptoms are similar to having a bad cold, the flu. This marks the first time any city in the nation has forced privately owned businesses to mandate vaccines. Businesses that fail to comply face fines as much as $14,000 per violation, along with court citations. No doubt de Blasio's ruling will face a legal challenge, but it should serve as a warning. It won't be long before they target your kids' happy meal. I'm Todd Starnes.
0: Merry Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the Morning.
4: in those early 1930s you can read an inscription on the benches Jews must not sit on these benches you could say it's unpleasant it's not fair it's not right but after all there are so many benches around you can sit somewhere else of course you can there was a swimming pool and over its door an inscription read, Jews are forbidden to enter. You could say, well, pleasant this is not, but there are so many places in Berlin where you can take a bath or swim, so many lakes, canals, it's nearly like Venice.
7: At the same time,
4: You can read somewhere else, Jews must not belong to German singing associations. So what? All right, they want to sing, they want to make music, let them just meet somewhere else, they will do their singing. All right. What comes up later is an order, really, more of an order than of an inscription. Non-Aryan children must not play with Aryan children, with the German children. All right, they'll play on their own. And then you read, we only sell bread and food to choose after 5pm, right? Less choice. This makes your life harder, but after all, after 5pm you can still do your shopping. And that's how it is done, step by step, slowly, and they become
5: acquainted
4: with that thought familiar with the idea that they are different people, that they are alien people, that they are the people that carry germs, that cause pandemics. And this now is a horror. What came later was something that developed immediately. Jews could not get jobs, they could not emigrate. And then, quickly, Jews would be sent to ghettos, to Kaunas, to Riga, to my ghetto. Auschwitz did not fall suddenly from the skies. It was pittering, pattering, and all those tiny steps. It was approaching until what happened here behind me did happen.
1: I just, uh, it, as I think about what's happening in Europe, Sandy Rios back with you. I, You know, it, it's really fresher on their minds than it is on the American mind. We wipe things out from our mind. We can. I can't remember three weeks ago because so much is happening. Europeans have a longer mind than that, and maybe the young ones don't. Certainly the Russians, they're not Europeans, but they have a long memory when it comes to that war. How could they? How could Germany? How could Germany, how could they be implementing these draconian rules and lockdowns on their own people and separating the vaccinated and unvaccinated, putting you know, insignias, even in our schools they're doing that, on children who are unvaccinated, like giving them little markings. I mean, doesn't this resonate with anyone? I I think we should lock Angela Merkel in a little, you know, glass box and let her listen to this over and over and over again. She was raised in East Germany. Surely she remembers. You know, if I remember, she remembers. And so uh, that's uh, the memory of World War II, again, on this 80th anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And that's not all that reminds me of uh, this when I go back in time and think about that. I think I've often said to you that I called Dr. Fauci, Dr. Mengele, and Dr. Mengele was the the uh, doctor, uh, the Nazi doctor who did horrific scientific experiments on people, horrific experimental drugs, experimental injections, experimental everything on human beings, horrible things, horrible things. And so, why would I talk, say that about Dr. Fauci? Because I remember describing to you, because I saw the picture, that under his leadership at the National Institutes for Health, for instance, they experimented with babies that were born from abortion, they survived abortion, they transplanted the hair of one baby on a rat. I saw the rat with a baby, they took the crown of the baby's head and transplanted it On the rat, because they have to, you know, figure out what works in hair growth. I guess that's important under Dr. Fauci's NIH. That's the kind of thing they've been doing. You've heard other things. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in his new book, and I talked to you about this before his book, I even knew about his book, uh, that he, Dr. Fauci led, he had, he made his bones, his claim to fame on his treatment of AIDS, finding a treatment for AIDS. He's such a hero for that. But in the process of that, they used experimental drugs on AIDS orphans, meaning these kids didn't have AIDS. They were, they were orphaned by parents who had AIDS and died. And so they gave them these drugs that had horrendous side effects. And we, so we heard testimony of a nurse from that. That's why I call Dr. Fauci Dr. Mengele. Well, it's interesting because Laura Logan just did the same thing, and she's in uh, deep trouble for it. Let's listen to what she had to say, clip two.
8: And so in that moment, what you see on Dr. Fauci, this is what people say to me, that he doesn't represent science to them. He represents Joseph Mengele, Dr. Joseph Mengele, uh, the the Nazi doctor who did experiments on Jews during the second world war and in the concentration camps. And I am talking about people all across the world are saying this because the response from COVID, what it has done to countries everywhere, what it has done to civil liberties, the suicide rates, the poverty, it has obliterated economies. The level of suffering that has been created because of this disease is now being seen in the cold light of day, i.e. the truth. And people see that there's no justification for what is being done.
1: Well, we also should add just to re- I mean, a few other things come to my mind, like the experiments with this virus they came out of the Wuhan lab, funded by the National Institutes for Health under Fauci. Money given to do these experiments to mutate this virus into something that would be more harmful, more virulent. Because, you know, they have to study the science, you know. And then it escapes from the lab. And this is the thing that Dr. Fauci's been accused of, of being complicit. And he's getting a little prickly about it. Yes, he is. A doc, um, Senator Johnson brings another, like, plain thing to our eyes. He said on Sunday, he said... I ask a simple question. Did Dr. Fauci's response to COVID-19 work? 788,000 people, lives lost, many, because he ignored and sabotaged early treatment using cheap, available, generic drugs in favor of a vaccine that is not as safe or as effective as we all hoped it would be. And that, of course, leads me to ivermectin, which I've preached and preached and preached, and hydroxychloroquine. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but studies show and countries show that have used it, they're very effective, they're very cheap, uh, and yet they have banned Pharmacists from even prescribing that they have gone after doctors that have tried to get it to their patients. And I and probably you too know people who have died and are dying because they cannot get medication that is effective in treatment for COVID because they must, you see, get the vaccine courtesy of Anthony Fauci and all of the types around him. The, uh, the, the Bob, the Bill Gates told Fauci in what fall of twenty eighteen that he wanted to vaccinate the whole world. That was his dream. And he called it what I'm I'm gonna I think this is the name, philanthropic capitalism. Well he might get a little rich in the process, but he's only helping people. This is disgusting to me. Absolutely disgusting. And I want to just shake the entire world and say, Wake up, stop, stop just acquiescing. Wake up, don't let we do not want to go the way of the death camps, which, like in Australia, they're putting people in these quarantine camps. Uh, they're arresting them. It's just, it's sick what we see happening across the globe, and it's frightening. Um, it's really frightening. And so we have to call things what they are. Anthony Fauci is today's Robert Mengele. He is. He is. And um, if you can defend him, I'm glad to hear it. I've been glad to hear our defense, but I probably will have trouble listening. And so that takes us to New York City, because de Blasio, the communist, married to a communist, the mayor who's stepping down soon, uh, made a a decree uh, yesterday. It sounded like this, clip four.
3: We just talked about an attack on democracy. Well, we're under attack a different way right now from the coronavirus and We've got Omicron as a new factor. We've got the colder weather, which is going to really create additional challenges with the Delta variant. We've got holiday gatherings. We in New York City have decided to use a preemptive strike to really do something bold to stop the further growth of COVID and the dangers it's causing to all of us. So as of today, we're going to announce a first in the nation measure. Our health commissioner will announce a vaccine mandate For private sector employers across the board, all private sector employers in New York City will be covered by this vaccine mandate as of December 27th. We're going to have some other measures as well to really focus on maximizing vaccination quickly so we can get ahead of Omicron and all the other challenges we're facing right now with COVID. And we're going to work with the business right, community. You know, I'm going to cut them off because you of get the gist of it.
1: Well, these are the rules. Uh, you have there have to be, every private sector worker has to have a vaccine. You have to have a vaccine, proof a vaccine to door to dine indoors, to go work out at a fitness facility, to uh, uh, visit or attend any kind of entertainment venue, and it also includes children five to eleven. Because De Blasio, you see is so concerned about children. And it's now not just one vaccine. You have to have at least two doses in order to qualify for the status of vaccination, for being of that, you know, that upper class rather than the lesser class of icky, non-vaxxed people. And he's talking about the Omicron variant. And I told you yesterday, but I will repeat today more and more uh, observations, maybe not studies quite yet, maybe a few here and there, uh, but observations about Omicron is that it's Practically nothing. People do not lose their sense of smell. They don't die. They don't even need oxygen, according to one study that came out that I read today. Dr. Angelique Cortez, who's a practicing physician and head of the South African Medical Association, said last week that most of the Omicron patients have displayed mild system symptoms and did not require hospital care. And that yet Europe is rushing to lock things down. So is de Blasio. And so is... Uh, Our president of the United States, Joe Biden. I want to remind you that about a year ago, President Biden promised why he indicated how he really felt about these mandates. Does anybody remember? This was um, clip six. Let's listen.
6: No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide.
1: Yeah, but he didn't really mean that, did he? Uh, yeah. So, you know, bit by bit, my, no, 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 we won't do mandates and we won't make masking mandatory. No, no. And then suddenly it's different. Real, very suddenly it's different. Slowly, but suddenly too, depending on your perspective. Um, so that's what's happening with, uh, with COVID. I, uh, I, there are a few other things that I want to tell you here. Other stories that I think are really important. Really important. This one really just grabbed me. They both did. Mass starvation looms in Afghanistan as half the country faces hunger under Taliban rule. Well, I'm wondering whose fault that is. I'm just wondering. When we pulled out the way we pulled out and turned it over to them and they started ravaging and controlling the people, and of course they're not capable of doing, they don't even care about life enough to develop farming and Uh, to to feed people. And so with the winter coming, and the winter in Afghanistan is just brutal. They're expecting millions to go, you know, to starve. Mass starvation looms in Afghanistan. Thank you. Thank you, President Biden. And then this last story, I'll tell it quickly. It's an important story. This came in my inbox this morning. I just, it's jaw-dropping. You've heard about Hunter Biden's laptop, right? And you know that there are lots of things on it. It's confusing. It's a really twisted story. The FBI, you know, didn't, you know, interfered and didn't let us uh, find out what was on it. But we're now finding out lots of things that are on it. And among those things that just came out, uh, there was um, video, audio. I heard part of it this morning. I was going to pull it, but it's too much of it. And I couldn't even listen to all of it. But lo and behold, the chairman of uh, Walmart, and his name is Greg Penner. He's the chairman of the board of Walmart. Do you shop at Walmart? Do you shop there? Did you notice they stayed open during the pandemic, unlike other, you know, other stores you used to shop at? Well, there might be a reason why Walmart stayed open because this audio was a conversation between Hunter Biden and um, Greg Penner, the Walmart chairman of the board, talking about pulling the trigger to stop President Trump during the right before the election let's see if I can read from this a bit of this um, the audio file was found in the iTunes photo folder, folder on Hunter's laptop, which was concealed by the FBI for a year before being delivered to the New York Post which posted some of its salacious content. however, a close examination of the massive numbers of files on the computer have struck political gold. The audio transcript shows a discussion of pulling the trigger to influence the 2020 election to stop President Trump and the Trump movement, in addition to influencing the Democratic primary. So Hunter says, overall objective here is to stop not only Donald Trump, but to stem the tide of what Trump represents. Uh, So then they have a stream of emails on the thing where Hunter says, he asked to discuss a confidential matter with Penner, saying that's best not to be done by text or mail. And in a solicitation email, Greg Penner asks Hunter, to visit, I'd like to visit with you about some options I've been working on for the 2020 election. Um, it, it, there's Okay, it's too long for me to go into. The point is this. Uh, Greg Penner was working for a Chinese company for a very long time. It turns out he went to Georgetown with Hunter. That's the, These are things we're finding out. Uh, and so they sort of strategized together. I don't know exactly how it ends because I didn't hear the whole thing. But this was put together, uh, just so you know, this was put together by a girl named Christine Dolan who was with, uh, she was the CNN political director uh, for a long time, and now she's the one covering this. So uh, it looks like Walmart, a friendly little neighborhood store that was uh, able to stay, uh, you know, make money hand over fist during the pandemic, uh, had a great deal to do with the defeat, it wasn't a defeat, but with the election outcome of, um, of President Trump. It's really disgusting, isn't it? Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk.
2: Classic hymns to holiday
0: jingles, impossible
2: to avoid the sound of sleigh bells and Bing Crosby this time of year. But how often do we stop to consider the story behind the carols we sing? I'm Charles Morris.
0: Join me for Haven Today this week as we celebrate Christmas and a series called
6: Carols You Should Know.
0: Haven Today, weekday mornings at 430 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net.
5: Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In his October 11th, 1798 address to the Massachusetts militia, John Adams, second president of the United States and founding father, said, Our Constitution was made only for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. He understood that in order for the American Constitutional Republic to survive long-term, the church in America must make disciples of its populace. And immoral people will always destroy themselves through lawlessness. To think otherwise is to suffer under a grand delusion.
7: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
6: A vacation with a purpose. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. That's what some of our folks have called our spiritual heritage tours, which we're going to be doing again in 2022. Let me tell you what we do. We go on a trip to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. We see early American history there. And then we go to Washington, D.C. and George Washington's Mount Vernon on a separate tour. We do these in June and September. They're perfect weather months in that part of the country. Stephen McDowell, who is a historian and author of America's Providential History, he will be our expert on the trip. So we'll have a historian joining us on these tours. It's going to be a wonderful time together in our nation's capital and in Colonial Williamsburg in 2022. June and September. If you want to go, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com.
7: This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. In light of the Chinese Communist Party's ongoing genocide and record of other human rights abuses, U.S. officials will engage in a so-called diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympic Games in February. That action is at once a confirmation of our nation's treaty obligation to punish the Chinese government for its genocidal conduct and a pathetically inadequate fulfillment of that duty. The Chinese communists have responded with appropriate contempt, noting that our officials weren't invited, and no one cares if they come. What does matter is that as of now, U.S. athletes, support staff, and corporate sponsors will still be legitimating the regime, perpetrating such crimes against humanity, and emboldening it to believe even worse can be perpetrated with impunity. In light of what's at stake, no Americans should attend, participate in, or otherwise support the CCP's genocide games. Not one. This is
0: Frank Effney. Merry Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the Morning. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio.
7: Sandy Reels
1: back with you. It's always good to remember it's Christmas. You know, when you get into this kind of uh, information, it's really tough. Uh, to remember what really matters, uh, because we're so drowning in what we see here in this world. You know, we do have a we do have a Savior, <laughs> and He was born. That's what we're celebrating in Christmas uh, at Christmas, and uh, He's the only hope for the world. The only hope for the world is Jesus. And so, with that in mind, we've been telling you about um, Operation Christmas Child. We do it every year, and that's where people go and get these little shoeboxes and fill them up with presents for kids all over the world. And now, this is the next phase. This is a Samaritan's Purse endeavor. This is the beginning of the next phase, and it's called The Greatest Journey. Now, i am just tell you in general, this is curriculum. So it's not just that you're let make a distinction. You come from different backgrounds. Many churches believe, and I think the Catholic Church, and I'll, there are others, believe in helping people by giving them food and clothing and shelter, and all of those things are very important. But the thing that we must do, and this is what Samaritan's Purse is making sure that they do, is tell them about Jesus, because you can feed them till they're full, but if they have not been transformed from the inside out, the new clothing, the shelter, all of that will not transform their lives. And that's where The Greatest Journey comes in. And before I introduce our guest, you can call if you want to help, 877 616 two three nine six. That's eight seven seven six one six two three nine six or donate online at AFR.net. dot net. Uh we can six dollars will send one child this curriculum, The Greatest Journey. Six dollars. So if you multiply it out, you know sixty dollars will reach ten kids and $150 will reach twenty five children. I'm sorry I'm losing my voice. Hang on a minute. <coughs> Sorry, this is what I need, a co-host, because I I can't, um, yeah. We have a special guest this morning, uh, and her name is Hannah, here we go, Hannah Boldy. Hey, Hannah, Hannah is, by the way, the development manager for Operation Christmas Child, and she joins us bright and early from someplace. Hannah, how are you this morning?
9: I'm well, Sandy, thank you.
1: Okay, so uh, Hannah, um, give us the nuts and bolts of this. Uh, How many countries are you guys uh, doing this? Operation Christmas Child in? How many countries?
9: Well, um, the Greatest Journey and Operation Christmas Child is in over 100 countries um, every year, and um, I think 106 countries currently. But one of the things that I'm most excited about is the fact that, um, you know, so many people know about Operation Christmas Child and they've heard of maybe even the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. One of the things that they may not know is that. <laughs> We are really seeking to reach um, the unreached peoples of the world as well. So we're in over 100 countries and, you know, many, many different languages. But um, over the past seven years, we have been in at least 350 different unreached people groups. And we define an unreached people group as someone or as a, as a group of people that share a common language and culture and who have less than 3% of that population that have that have um heard even heard the name of Jesus. So, we are all over the place but we are specifically <laughs> going to places that are unreached. Well,
1: so Hannah, uh this would be the the unreached people groups. They often I'm I'm assuming they have a different language and that's part of like Wycliffe mm-hmm. Bible Translators who try to translate the Bible into every single language. They they uh, they had a goal years ago of trying to reach the entire world by a certain date. and I can't remember what that was. I think we're past it, uh, but they're close. They're, we're, yes. Bible translators are actually close. So that question means, are you producing information then in their
9: languages? Uh, yes. Are you able so to do that yet? Absolutely. So one of the really cool things um, about um, the ministry, Samaritan's Purse, is that we actually have some amazing partnerships, and one of them is with Wycliffe and um, with one of their kind of um, groups called the Seed Company. We've been able to work with them to even produce um, resources like the Greatest Journey Discipleship materials um, in languages that have never had um, anything that we know of, of, of Christian literature or material or God's Word um printed in them before. We've been able to do that, as well as some really cool kind of out of the box things, um, such as translating into languages that do not have a written language. And so translating on to solar powered MP3 players, um, the Gospel of Mark and the Greatest Journey curriculum, so that we can go to peoples that do not have a written language. And so we're actually able to do that in partnership with um with some other amazing organizations, but yes, we are going to the places where the gospel has not been.
1: Well, that's exciting. That's very exciting. And let me just say that Samaritan's Purse, since 2009, uh, through Greatest Journey, has uh, reached more than 12.6 million children with this discipleship uh, curriculum known as The Greatest Journey. And many of them have made decisions to follow Jesus. And uh, this is the way—I know this, I, you know, even though I talk about politics and news and practical solutions here and things we can do. But if we—truly, uh, this is hand-in-hand hand and the most important element of reaching the world for Christ. Otherwise, there will be no transformation. There wasn't any in our, each of our lives until we met Jesus, and there will not be for the rest of the world. So when I said earlier in the show, sorry, forgive me, Hannah, that we should put Angela mm-hmm. Merkel in a box and have her listen to that statement by the 98-year-old uh, Nazi uh, survivor, we should also have her listen to The Greatest Journey. <laughs> so that would be good for her soul. Um, let me just say that if you'd like to help with this, the, the number is 877-616-2396. That's 877 877-6- 616 one six two three nine six. So you can donate online at afr. dot net. Afr. dot net. Again, six dollars will send the curriculum to one child, and any multiple of that. Of course, you can do the the math yourself. Whatever you can afford, the most generous thing you can uh, give would be great. You can go online at afr. dot net and do that. H- Hannah, how does this work practically speaking? The kids got the shoe boxes, or have they gotten them yet? Or mm-hmm. they're in the process of being delivered now.
9: Yes. Yeah, so right now, um, the shoeboxes that many of your listeners and people from all over the United States and other sending countries have packed, they dropped them off at a local facility, you know, a church in their community. They have then been sent off to um, one of our eight processing centers around the United States where every shoebox is opened and inspected just to make sure that everything in there is safe and appropriate for a child. Then those are sealed with the official tape, and off they go into shipping containers um, all over the world. And so, yes, we have um, containers of shoe boxes that are leaving ports um, on every coast, as well as semis full that are um, headed through um, down through Mexico into South and Central America. And um, from here, you know, that's one kind of side, the the sending side, but. Meanwhile, on the ground all over the world, our international ministry partners, our teams internationally have been working to identify pastors and local believers um, all over the world who are committed to reaching um their own people groups or the people group next to them so maybe um you know they they might there might be a small community of believers, and we're working with them to to help cast the vision and to help um, equip the um, local believers to go over the next mountain into the next village across the river um, upstream, you know, with the gospel to where it has not been knowing that um, the people from that um, local culture language and community are the ones who are going to be the best equipped to share the gospel um, with the people from their own culture and community. And so we um, for months now, our teams have been on the ground training and equipping them um, and really pouring into the people that are going to be the teachers of this Greatest Journey program. You know, it, it is a curriculum, but it is so much more than that, because we are equipping um, local believers, um, or at least semi-local believers, who are willing to go within their own nations, within or to the nations around them, to go and to be the ones who are truly um, life on life discipling these children. the The curriculum is is a twelve lesson curriculum, usually spread out over at least twelve weeks. This is a major commitment, but our brothers and sisters around the world are willing to do that um, to reach the children in their communities. Well, and
1: of course, the byproduct of that, I imagine, is uh, as when you teach anything, you become stronger in your faith, and then you start, Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, it, mm-hmm. it beefs you up, and you talk to other yeah. people, and so it's a, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so Clearly. let's just talk. Uh, let me just give the number again. If um, mm-hmm. we hope that all of you, if you really want to, people ask me all the time, "What can I do? What can I do?" And I say at the beginning of the show, uh, uh, "Say something, do something." Well, really and truly, when I say that, I'm sure that you hear I'm talking about something mm-hmm. culturally, and I am. But this is a say something, do something. Also, as Christians, this is something you could do. It's a small gesture. It's not an expensive gesture unless you can give a, a lot of money to this, uh, but it's something that we each can do and uh, to make a tremendous difference that you won't know till you're in heaven. If that, what difference was made by it, but the phone number is eight, seven, seven, six, one, six, two, three, nine, six. That's eight, seven, seven, six, one, six, two, three, nine, six, or donated AFR. Dot net. Of course, um, uh, Operation Christmas Child is, uh, is part of Samaritan's Purse, which means, Hannah, I have to ask you if you can
9: tell us how Franklin Graham is doing. Thank you for asking. He is doing very well. We are very thankful um, that he has come through his surgeries um, so well and seems to be you know, recovering. But he has said so many times, and we know it to be true, that prayer um, is absolutely vital. And so we encourage you to continue to just to pray for him as he continues to gain strength. But the surgeries have been successful, and he's doing very well. And we're getting emails, so he's back at it. So he is definitely, <laughs> he's definitely he's hit the ground running for sure. Well,
1: I'm really glad to hear that, Hannah. He was, uh, he was a very good friend to me when I was in Washington, D.C., with uh, Leading Concerned Women for America, a wonderful ally. And so uh, I'm just delighted to hear a good report about his health. All right, so Hannah, uh, very quickly, how did you get involved with this? What was the thing that triggered your interest in this Greatest Journey uh, development manager that you do?
9: Absolutely. Well, you know what, Sandy? I was actually on staff at a church in the Midwest for 10 years before joining the ministry, and I worked with the American kids, you know, in in our community, and I saw um, so many times the need for children to not just be taught the Bible, but to really be shown how to live it. And, um, you know, the difference between discipleship and, and teaching and education, discipleship um, asks a different question. Discipleship doesn't start with, okay, what do I want them to know? And then let's build a curriculum based off of that. Um, instead, we really need, needed, and I saw this, a, a deep need within the American church to begin to say, who do we want our children to become? And then as we work with them, We realize that the things that we are saying, that we are teaching, and and the life that we are modeling shapes not what they think only, but really who they become in the world. And so um, the more that I found out about Operation Christmas Child and The Greatest Journey, I realized that that was their heartbeat as well, that they were around the world, not just trying to say, oh, let's teach kids about God, but let's begin to shape how they see the world, how they see themselves. And of course, the only way to do that is to have a right understanding of who God is and then begin to understand who we are in light of who He is. And so, um, you know, there was just such a great alignment with that, and I loved that from, um, from this ministry. And so that's absolutely what um, got my heart beating in that direction, and then the Lord opened, um, opened the doors, and here I am, six, almost six and a half years later. Well, you're in a great place. I always say
1: that when it comes to my, this is my personal opinion, when it comes to charitable organizations, I think uh, Samaritan's versus the gold standard. And uh, I put my my money and my trust in what Franklin's done to help people around the world any day. Uh, so uh, if you would Thank like you. to help Greatest Journey, uh, you can do that by calling 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or donate online at afr. Net. Hannah Bolvey, thank you. It's really really nice to chat with you. You cheered us up, helped us celebrate Christmas. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, God bless you. All right, well, uh, it's been quite a day talking about some very serious things. I have more information about this Greg Penner, uh, the chairman of the board at Walmart, uh, that just came to me. He's uh, the son-in-law of, uh, and grandson of Sam Walton. He's the son-in-law of Robson Walton, who is the son of Sam Walton. And so I guess that's how he ended up chairman of the board. But he's he's done some really bad things, I think, based on what we're hearing about his conversations with uh, Hunter Biden. And he certainly, I think, sounds like he doesn't like his customers very much. That's what it sounds like to me. So uh, that's the news for today. And uh, But the good news is, of course, we do have a savior. Uh, he, we do have a savior. And we're celebrating his birthday this month. So let's be sure. And do, you can do both, you know. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.